recent killings and the perversion of justice. Welcome to Good Monsters. My name is Cody Lawrence. This is episode 27. 27. Uh, We are going to be talking about the Chauvin trial, along with a lot of the other seemingly similar kinds of things going on and the similar kinds of responses that people are having to these, as well as uh, answering the question, how should Christians be responding to these events and how how should we properly be interpreting <clears throat> the things that are ha- happening and uh, if that is consistent or not with how the media seems to be interpreting them? Uh, the short answer is no. They are not consistent. Christians should be responding very differently. And if Christians are responding in the same way that the media seems to be responding to these, then we are doing something very wrong. So what I want to do is to start with the facts, just the facts. Uh, if, if any of these facts that I give are offensive to you, then you're wrong. <laughs> and if that's offensive to you, then you should probably reevaluate if you care about facts or not. So seriously, these are factual things that we know, and I will get into my opinions uh, after I give the facts. So first, about the Chauvin trial. Uh, First, here are the facts. There are two possibilities of the outcome of the trial. Either the result of the trial was just, or the result of the trial was unjust. And there were a lot of things in the background and other variables that went into these decisions that I think are worth examining, but that is worth uh, considering that that the trial was either just or it was unjust, and we as Christians need to have Christian responses to um, to both of those situations. And it, it might be that, and and here's here's my opinion. <laughs> it might be that it's not obvious if the trial was just or unjust, and in such a case, we should uh, respond appropriately just like we should uh, respond appropriately in in whatever case it is. But anyway, the fact is, it was either just or unjust. Here are some other facts. Uh, Chauvin was found guilty by the jury uh, of all three of the charges that were placed against him. And the three charges were these, second-degree unintentional murder, third-degree murder, and second-degree manslaughter. Now, What these seem to mean, just from my research, is a second-degree unintentional murder. That means that the murder is not premeditated. It's unintentional. Uh, So second-degree is not premeditated. Uh, It it happened unintentionally. Third-degree murder uh, is, uh, it seems like like one step back from second-degree murder. Uh, It seems like Minnesota is one of the few states that has a third-degree murder charge. Most states just have first- and second-degree murder, it seems. Uh, But this third-degree murder includes murder that's caused by recklessness or negligence of some kind. So if if it was unintentional, but the murder was caused by some kind of reckless behavior or um, negligence to do something that you should be doing. 
Uh, and then the third charge that he was found guilty of is second degree manslaughter, which means that the uh, the defendant seemed to intend to cause serious harm without knowing it could result in death and then it resulted in death. So again, not intentional, but, um, but it happened anyway, and he was found guilty of it. Those are the facts about the trial. Uh, here are some other facts worth considering if we want to come to the conclusion that the trial was just or it was unjust. George Floyd had enough drugs in his blood at the time when Chauvin put his knee on his neck and restrained him uh, to to kill him. And they may have just done that. <laughs> Floyd had enough drugs in his blood to kill him, and uh, it may have it may have killed him. It might not have been Chauvin at all, because it is a possibility that this trial was unjust. Could be just, could be unjust. But the fact is, he was on uh, a, 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 an enormous amount of drugs. Here's another fact. The I, and I was very interested to hear this, by the way. The Minneapolis Police Department training manual allows in certain conditions, actually allowed because it was changed right after this happened, but they allowed in certain conditions for an officer to restrain a person by the neck. And then the jury decided that Chauvin broke these conditions. And so that's something I think is worth uh, looking into if you're curious what the training manual used to say and what it was changed to. Uh, but all, you know, police are allowed to treat people who they're after in certain ways. And the Minneapolis police department allowed their police officers to restrain under certain conditions. And I'm not sure what those conditions are. Uh, that's something you could look up, uh, allowed their police officers to restrain people by the neck. So that's, that's a fact <laughs> it's worth looking into. Uh, another fact is the jury was not sequestered. The judge came out and said like he, he recommended to them. He didn't force them, but he recommended to them that they should, uh, not read the news or not watch TV, but they did anyway. It wasn't a requirement. The jury was not sequestered. That means they had access to what was happening in the outside world. Uh, a sequestered jury seems typically to be a fairer jury where uh, the jury is not influenced by outside forces or media or relatives or whatever because you know the jury doesn't know uh, it is supposed to be as unbiased as possible and so it is not supposed to have uh, whenever whenever they are sequestered they're not supposed to have um, access to the outside world so that they can so that they can judge the case unbiasedly but the this jury was not sequestered they had access to their phones the news they could see all of the chaos happening all of the protests uh, and i mean protests i use the term loosely all of the uh, the violence and the um you know the businesses being being destroyed and windows broken and um well, well, we'll talk about more of the facts that happened with that uh, shortly. <laughs> but they weren't sequestered. They had access to see all of this. And they could predict the even greater chaos that would happen if they cleared Chauvin. So if Chauvin was found innocent, uh, many of these protest groups and even politicians, I think, 
I'm not sure about this, that one, but I, I think I heard some kind of politician say that, um, you know, bad stuff was going to happen if Chauvin was found innocent. And perhaps that had some kind of influence on the jury. Uh, also, another fact, as I mentioned, the, that protests were happening across the country and there were threats that the violence would escalate if Chauvin wasn't judged to be guilty. That's really important, and it goes hand-in-hand with the fact that the jury was not sequestered. Uh, Now, those are the facts. My opinions will follow. Um, You can make your own conclusion about if the trial was just or unjust. I don't know. I don't know all the details, and I would recommend that even you listening don't... (sighs) confirm 100% that the trial was definitely unjust because unless perhaps unless you have had time to look at all of the evidence yourself and um and and judge yourself <clears throat> what you think fairly is uh is if the trial was just or unjust based on knowing all of the evidence because right now I don't know all the evidence I don't know what the jury saw and uh, I wasn't there, and I don't know what really happened. And um, I haven't examined the autopsy of Floyd and you know all of this stuff that went into this decision. I don't know. I don't know if, if George Floyd would still be alive if, if Chauvin didn't have his knee on his neck. I tend to lean towards saying he probably would have died anyway. And regardless, he was doing things that he wasn't supposed to do, and the police was taking... I, you know, I don't know if it was appropriate action or not. You know, it seemed like being on somebody's neck for eight minutes is a little inappropriate. But, you know, I'm not sure I would call it murder. But anyway, regardless, those are my opinions. And as you can tell, I'm also not uh, holding firm to the fact that, yeah, 100 uh, <clears> percent, the, the judge and the jury were wrong. Chauvin's innocent for sure. I'm not doing that. And I think it's important for for no uh reasonable person, but especially Christians, as we need to hold ourselves to a higher standard. It's important for Christians not to do that either. And here's why. Because of what justice is. Christians should be less concerned about the um, the result of this trial. And we should be more concerned about the perversion of justice that is happening in our country. Justice according to the noisy social justice warriors in our country, is when a black person is killed by a white person. That is injustice. No matter the reason, it is unjust when a black person is killed by a white person. If, uh, if a white person is killed by a black person, that goes <clears throat> totally under the radar. <laughs> we don't hear about those. We don't hear about when black people kill black people. We don't hear about when white people kill white people, but all over the news, you know, people die all the time. And the things that are always focused on is when black people kill white people. Why? Statistically, it's not even very common. So we have to ask ourselves, why is this happening? And what's worse, not only why is it happening, because uh, I mean, you know, there, there are various reasons as to why. That is happening politically and and why certain people want to get power and to push other people out of power. But but 
behind all of that, the, the reason that this is happening in the first place is that there is a perversion of justice happening. For example, let's take the recent shooting of uh, Micaiah Bryant. Micaiah, Makia, I'll just say Micaiah. I believe that's her name. So there was a fight happening between a bunch of people and this girl who I think was 16 years old. Micaiah was holding a knife and the police showed up and Micaiah said to another girl, I'm going to stab the F out of you B. F word, B word. I'm going to stab the F out of you, B. And started charging at the girl with her knife. And the police officer who was there uh, shot her. He shot her. He shot her. He shot at her four times. And she died. And the other girl who was being charged at with the knife was saved. Uh, And there were interviews of people from around the town. And even the girl who was attacked, I believe, uh, she was like, yeah, I, I would be dead if not for this cop. <laughs> so the cop definitely saved a life here. But how is the media and the protesters responding? How are the media responding and how are the protesters responding? In exactly the same way as they did to the death of George Floyd. Uh, and I was listening to Doug Wilson's podcast recently, and he made a really, really good point about this. Uh, he said that, just on the outside, looking in with our limited amount of information that we have, uh, just what we see on the media, or, or, or like the <laughs> the objective facts that we have access to, not the skewed perspective of the media that we receive, but according to the the limited objective facts that we have about George Floyd's death, it looks kind of bad on the cop. It looks like the cop was doing something that he shouldn't. Um, Now it also looks bad on George Floyd because he was definitely doing something that he shouldn't. But, you know, the the cop was definitely not blameless in this. And the response from the media and from the protesters was to victimize George Floyd like he was he was purely a victim, like he did nothing wrong and to attack the police officer. Now, let's compare that to the shooting of Micaiah Bryant the media, and the protesters are taking exactly the same approach, except the objective, the the limited number of objective facts that we have in regards to this, uh, which I think are way more clear than the, the facts that we had about George Floyd's death because uh, they released the footage so quickly, <laughs> the body cam footage from the cop, that you can look up. Uh, the cop doesn't look bad at all. It appears that the cop did exactly the right thing. Someone was going to kill another person and the cop took action. He did what he had to do, which was take out his gun and shoot. And a lot of people are saying, well, he could have used his taser or he could have, you know, done a triple backflip and kung fu kick to the knife out of her hand and peacefully restrained her with a, a ring of daisies. But that's unrealistic, and maybe we could have an episode coming up about how guns actually work and how stupid it is for you to say things like that. And probably the people who are saying things like that have never shot a gun before because, no, you cannot shoot people in the legs, and you cannot shoot the knife out of people's hands or things like that. That's unreliable. If you're trying to stop a uh, an attack, you know, you don't aim for their legs. You aim for center mass. But anyway, 
The point is, a life was saved there, but the media and the protesters are responding in exactly the same way to victimize the, uh, in, in this case, the would-be murderer, the, the girl with a knife, Micaiah, and to make the police officer out to be a terrible person. This isn't about justice or fairness or anything like that. It's about, it's about an evil ideology that is opposed to justice and fairness and that kind of good thing. This is about evil versus good. And the evil is clearly the people who are twisting actual justice because actual justice says whenever somebody is going to uh, kill an innocent person, you, you can defend them in any way possible. You know, as a police officer, who's that's their job to defend people. He shot a, a person who was going to murder this innocent person, and he saved this innocent person's life. <laughs> but these awful, awful people are responding exactly the same way as they did to George Floyd, uh, which might or might not be exactly the same situation where the, where the officer... Uh, is is not guilty of murder. Could be exactly the same situation. Real justice doesn't care what the skin color of the good guy is or the bad guy, or if the bad guy is a man, or if someone involved is a man who calls himself a woman, or if someone involved is a man who is sexually attracted to other men, or if someone is rich or someone is poor. Real justice judges based on the thing that happened and not how noisily the people outside are screeching. It judges fairly regardless of how many buildings that villains are busting into, looting, and burning down. This fake justice that the social justice types espouse should be a good measure of how a Christian should not conduct their understanding of justice. So when we think, see things like this happening, that is what we should flee from. Unequal weights and measures. We need to have equal weights and measures exactly like God does for people. If somebody commits an evil act, regardless of what they look like, we should be impartial. If they are in our family, if they are the same skin color as us, if they are the same sex as us, it should not matter because evil is evil and good is good. And that is the thing that Christians ought to be focusing on, I think. The Christian response to these things happening is to look at the facts. And also to admit, if we don't have all of the facts, to leave the judge, the judging, up to the judge. Even if it's a good judgment or a bad judgment. Like if we disagree with the judgment, you know, what are you going to do about the result of the Chauvin trial? Let's just say it was a bad judgment. Um, what are you going to do? Burn down buildings and protest? Uh, no. <laughs> I think what Christians ought to do, regardless of these things happening or not, is to speak more loudly and more courageously than we do about real justice and about real truth. Because I, I think the world is going in this direction because Christians, because good people who know better are not 
fighting the way they should. And what I mean by fighting is to courageously speak out against evil and to courageously do good and encourage good. And that is what Christians need to do more of. We need to speak more loudly for actual justice. We need to speak more loudly against untruth, even if it's just in your family or the people around you. You know, you're, you're probably not going to make a difference in the government unless you have some kind of seat or position in the government. But where you do have influence is maybe in your church or in your local community. And if there's perhaps like someone in your family or someone in your church, for example, who thinks uh, Micaiah Bryant is a victim of another racist police officer murdering her for absolutely no reason just because he's racist. It is your job to correct that or to uh, get whoever's job it actually is to correct that, to correct it, like their pastor. Uh, And if the pastor won't or is too much of a coward to do it, then, well, hey, you've just killed two birds with one stone. You now realize that you have a terrible pastor. (laughs) So these things are are important for us to consider as Christians in our world because there is so much real injustice happening. And a, a lot of the the seeming injustice that the media is pushing is imagined, it's concocted, it's twisted, it's perverted. And us Christians need to hold on to firmly Hold on to real justice, real truth, real love, and be courageous enough to act those things out in our lives every day. And maybe then, eventually, because of our actions today, the world will move again in a better direction. (laughs) 